0: Hey awesome people, welcome all to the new podcast series, Her Voice. I'm Chetna here, your host mother of two amazing kids and the lovely dog. This podcast series has been started with an intent to give a platform to all the women out there who want to share their little inner voice. You might be a student, you might be a manager, you might be a CEO, you might be a director, or you might be a wife, you might be a doctor, a your sister, wherever you come from, whatever title you have earned for yourself, but there is always a little inner voice which has to be nurtured, which has to be loved, which has to be heard and this is a platform where it is going to help you to share uh, that little inner voice. This, this podcast is going to bring in women from varied culture, from varied background, to share their little in your voice. Our today's guest, Sudha, is on a journey to empower people discover their core beliefs that is stopping them from living the life they want to with love and joy, adding value and color. So let's listen to her voice. So, welcome, Sudha. And uh, I would first of all, I would like to thank you for taking our time and for being a part of my podcast. And uh, Sudha, before we could start, my first question is like, who is Sudha?
1: Thank you, Chetha. And it's an absolute, absolute pleasure and a delight experience to be on this journey with you. And um, who was Sudha? It's a very interesting question. Uh, because if I were to look at my life till the point of 2015, you know, where my life actually took for a change, until 2015 um i think i saw myself as somebody who knew what her life is all about right she had a home she had a career and uh, she had things that she you know was engaged with like you know which kept her learning she's a learner all along but also there was a certain disquiet that was or like an unrest if i may say that was growing within her which was she wasn't able to place her finger but it said it seemed like there was a piece that didn't fall into place. So she was like a puzzle, but wasn't complete because that one last piece wasn't really falling into place. And try hard as she, you know, put her effort into saying, you know, what is this last piece? Because she had everything. Like I had a successful career. I was doing well in life. I had, you know, my home where mom and me stayed together. Things were taking care of that. I had the time to learn. And I thought life was full, life was rich and I had it, everything. So this nagging question of, you know, why am I not feeling complete? Why am I not feeling fulfilled? Why I still feel that there is something that's not fallen into place. I think that marked the transition of my uh, journey and uh, that journey or that path that I took around 2015 end and largely towards 2016, that one year, I think um, marked a complete change where I don't know the Sudha who she was before 2015 is the same as now, but uh, yes, Um, it seems like the piece of the puzzle that was missing has come into place and
0: yeah, that's where I am. Okay, uh, Sudha, but how to get into that awareness state of that, okay, what is that? As you, as you were knowing that there is one missing piece which is not fitting in anywhere, but most of the people are stuck. They don't know that there is a missing piece. So how how one can get into that? Um, one can um, be aware and get to know that there is something which is missing is first point. And the second thing is exploring how that piece can fit in. So um,
1: if I were to look at my journey, right, um, we've been told that if you do this, so right from that, it's school, grades, all of that, after school, it's college, after it is that, it's career, after that, it is marriage. Mm-hmm. So There is a shopping list that's given or handed over to us from the minute that we are born. right? And all that we keep doing is we keep checking boxes. And uh, we feel that checking those boxes is what his life is all about. And yet, I know, and given this from my own life experience, that there is some point in our life where there is a dissatisfaction that creeps in. And this fact, dissatisfaction is not that my life isn't good, it is not about that. It is about where I start questioning is my life only about this? So there is that little voice that does break in because um, only we have not learned to listen to that or thought not thought, listen to that inner voice. Most often when the voice does raise the presence, we kind of brush it off and we kind of give reasons to it as, What else do I want? I have a lovely husband. I have a lovely home. I have a lovely career, I have awesome children. They're doing well in life. What more could I ask for? And that's how we tend to rationalize that voice. But there I think comes a point in everyone's life. And I think that is usually, whether you like it or not, it's around the 40s, the late 30s, it starts off. When children start to become independent, Career is more or less settled, whether it's your career or your spouse's career, right? And then suddenly you find that all that you gave meaning and purpose to, that it is because of the others, now starts to literally jostle inside you. Because children don't need you as much. So you're like, okay, am I just a provider? Career-wise you are doing good, but you also kind of realize that how much more. So at a physical, mental, emotional level, there is a certain questioning that happens. And I think it is at that point where the transition comes in. And only if we learn to take the quiet time off, even if it's just five minutes or 10 minutes, it could be when you're walking and you could just sit with the question and allow what this question means for oneself, right? And I think for me, it started off that way. I had everything and I could have, I was at the peak of my career and I could have continued to do that. But it was like, what's the value am I adding to my own life? I get up in the morning, I do what I have to do. I'm doing everything what's supposed to. But I think that is the transition point. And I think that voice is there in every one of us. You could be successful in quelling that voice. You could be successful in saying, I don't want to listen to it. But if I were to tell you that if I tell you don't think about monkey right now, you immediately think of the monkey.
0: Yeah. That
1: voice has that persistence to come back because I think after the late thirties, naturally, organically, our life is meant to think about a purpose other than what we are thought to be like the checklist and the check boxes. Yeah. Because When you have done all of that and you still have a life to live, the question is there. Now, what do I do with it? What do I do with the time that I have? What do I do with... I am no longer needed by my family as much as I thought that they needed. I no longer am happy waiting for things to happen. I want to make things happen. It also becomes a point where you're learning to give yourself permission do not look at life the way you have been thought to so along the way if you had certain aspirations certain dreams certain wishes they all start to come like the river that is now willing to say you know the dam is opened up and i'm saying okay you've given me the opening and here i come like a flood right yeah um that's how i would say right um I think that's the transition points, that's the ticking in point, and that's the time to really listen to. And uh, it's not an easy place,
0: let me tell you that. Can that's can I, I was about to ask you that question. How, so once I listen, do they have to, because all these years they have been bonded with the career or family, and once they start telling, once they start giving that uh, importance and they start giving the space for themselves, how the environment would react to them? Oh, it's very scary. It's very scary.
1: Scary for two things. Like, you know, the word habit. If you keep removing an alphabet, you remove the H, a bit remains. You remove the A, bit remains. You remove the B, it remains. So everyone has got habituated to your doing something. You have got habituated to doing something. So when you are ready to give your voice the expression. As somebody who is wanting to be seen differently from the frame of reference that you were typecasted into the roles, it's not gonna be easy. First and foremost, it's not gonna be easy for you. yeah. Because you have also been grown comfortable, right? Like I was very comfortable with, okay, I have a career, I'm a daughter, I'm a this, I'm a that. And suddenly when you're like, okay, who am I minus all of the roles that I'm playing, minus the labels that I have. It's almost like, you know, being born. And when you are born, you're always at the mercy of the others. Right? The only difference is that when you were a child, you had no choice but to be taken care by others. But as an adult, you have a lot more resources You have the faculty of thinking, you have the faculty of reasoning, you have the faculty of reflection. Environment, don't expect the environment to be as supportive as you want it. What I would say is start with the minimalistic expectations. All of a sudden, I decide, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur tomorrow, I want to do this. Don't please expect your family members to hold the board and say, yay, congratulations, we're there with you. Welcome and all that. Uh-uh. They're probably going to be holding the same board that you have seen for the years together. Mm-hmm. What's important is, are you willing to hold the board for yourself? Are you willing to keep that conversation alive and be consistent at it? And I'm sure you would find the same resonance in your own life. Right, yeah. And it's almost like I'm trying out the gym and I suddenly become aware of all those muscles I haven't used and they will groan, they will complain, they will whine. But if you say, you know what, no, my well-being is important, I'm going to stick at it. Those same muscles get rewired, they become soft, they become supple, they actually work in coordination and in cohesion, when you suddenly start feeling, whoa, the tonality has changed. I'm feeling lighter in my body. And that itself spurs a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And then that's like contagious. Yeah. Now, this is the breaking point, even in your relationship with the ecosystem or your family members. Because when they start seeing your consistency, your energy, your, it becomes contagious to them as well. So they don't change. It's because you have changed and they see what the change brings about in you and it is contagious on them. It's almost infectious. They cannot deny it because they also start falling in love with the new you because you start loving who you are becoming. So I think it's, it's not really about them. It's about you. It's about how you show up, right? And, uh, I've had my family, uh, you know, not accepting of my change. when I decided to give up my corporate career. My brother was like, what the heck you only in middle forties, you're giving up your career. Have you even thought about what's going to be in you know, all that conversations? My mother was like, what are you going to do sitting at home? You know, you would be like working somebody like 16, 18 hours. Right. I hope you're not going to get in, you know, in my feet. And I'm like, Wow. I thought this was about my life. Your people are being thinking about their lives. And that's when I really got to the point that if I don't think about my own life, nobody is going to spare a thought for it. And that can be a very lonely realization. Because uh, we are grown up to believing that if you made your life about others, somewhere along the line, they will make their life to mean about others. And the biggest realization is whether you are in a marriage or you're not in a marriage, or a family or not a family, in a corporate or not a corporate. You have to walk your path at some level. So uh, it's not easy. I don't want to give any hopes that uh, it is, but I always give the example of the gym.
0: Yeah, very, um, be- very beautifully explained, Sutha. Because I can, I could see myself when you were telling about it. <laughs>
1: So like the way I say is there is going to be resistance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, But see the resistance from two things. One is the resistance where it will keep questioning you. It will throw doubts. It will give you all the what if obstacles. But it also brings along with it the gift of opportunity. So if you can say, what if people laugh at me? Mm -hmm. One way of saying it. The other is, what if people don't laugh at me? but we don't consider the other side the opportune side of it we consider the pessimistic part of it yeah Yeah. what if people laugh at me what if and that's the voice that we have grown up with right Mm -hmm. the confirming the conforming but then if you can go about it the other way that's the other thing the other is responsibility Mm -hmm. we will continue to have responsibility what we don't learn is how do you negotiate it out right So the ability to say, you know what, I've done my bit now. Each one has to do their bit. And it starts with me being able to say who can be part of the responsibility. Mm -hmm. The third that I see is responsibility, the Mm -hmm. ability to respond. And that starts with my own response. So if my response to myself is going to be a big nay, don't expect the environment to give you a big a, And Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. So that's how I see the three R's
0: that really, really work at that stage, which is really, really Okay. One is responsibility. The other one is uh, I think can you just resistance sweet. resistance. So okay. Resistance
1: that brings opportunity. Okay. Where you just look at the opposite of it, right? Yeah. And the third is responsibility. Mm. So the ability to respond, mm-hmm. and like as I said, the nay n a y e or the nay comes from the environment because our own ability to respond to ourselves is like being questioned. But if you remove the N from it, it's an a a y e you know, come on, let's go, let's cheer up. So what if I can be my own cheerleader? Mm-hmm. It'll start. It'll start. And I think we have more than enough examples in our li- in our own small lives and in history where the name becomes an a A. Uh, the only differentiation is the you in it or the I in it like mm-hmm. I will I cross the bridge mm-hmm. right and yeah then then it's a matter of just keep walking
0: so, so uh, I think though whatever we tell Sudha to ourselves and we are uh, aware that these are the things which we have to do consciously but still we will go through that situations that these are the things now I I have to follow consciously. I'll be doing it. Okay. If I come across certain things like that, I'll, I'll go back to this and then respond and I'll take responsibility and act. it. But it, it it will not happen the same way all the 365 days. So what is that at that moment I can just do instantly to come back? Pause. Okay. It's okay to take a pause. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Um, because most often we have learned to be relentless right? But sometimes I feel it's okay to take a pause. It's Mm -hmm. okay to just breathe in. It's okay to do. And when you take the pause, the pause allows you to slow down. It allows you to look at the reality within and the reality outside. And sometimes what happens is the reality on the inside it's very different from the reality of the outside. And what I mean like is like, right? The reality inside of me, okay, I have to be 55 kgs because right now I'm like 60. So I have to lose 5 kgs in two months. Now you have not anticipated that in that two months, it's a healthy goal. You can lose 5 kgs in two months. Do yeah. You've not taken into account so many factors, some known and a lot unknown, yeah, Right. And, but the reality inside says, it is doable. Five kgs is done, done, done. You know, you can And two months pass by and you say, you've only moved the needle two and a half kgs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what bullshit is this? You know, and then is where that comes in. And when I say the word pause over there is to say, is where you reflect back. You do the reality check-in. Mm-hmm. So the conversation that we have in our head far outweighs and outraces the reality outside. The check-in of the pause helps us to see the pros and the cons. It helps us to appreciate. It helps us to acknowledge. It also helps us to reflect and review. You know, why do you have a rearview mirror? It helps to see far objects more closer. And therefore, you kind of then navigate,
0: right? Yeah.
1: That is what allows in the pause, that what seems like a far-off goal can seem near because you're clearing it and seeing it real. So you also take course corrections. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've, it also is a point in time of appreciating and acknowledging. If you look at it, when you started with the journey, you wanted to start off with a weight loss of five kgs. That was a great goal. Yeah. Most often, you know what we do? We let go that we've achieved at least whatever we have achieved. Because we have not achieved the whole outcome. Forgetting that, it's a journey. So what if I could acknowledge and appreciate, wow, I've lost two and a half. What did I do right? What can I do better? What do I need to do more of? What do I need to do less of? What maybe I need to start? And what may I need to stop? These questions helps us. It helps us to become responsibility again. So to always understand that things need not necessarily pan out as per plans. Yet, who is the one who can navigate when life will throw you a curveball? Not life. And let's go to pandemic times, right? Nobody ever anticipated what that would bring for us. Suddenly now, home became school, children whom we were saying, don't look into the laptop so much or into the mobile so much, are now glued onto it. Now, mm-hmm. suddenly, there is acceptance of that.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> suddenly, what we were thinking like, I'm talking about a corporate world where work from home was like, hey, How do we ensure that they are productive? This, that you know, mm-hmm. it was a big policy thinking today. It's like, Hey. People are working from home. Results are visible. People are productive. Uh, And people can work from anywhere. They can be with families that they are not forced to stay away because the job opportunity demands them to set up a home away from parents. Now, those people who paused and were able to do this were able to navigate, were able to think about different things. They were able to think of solutions to the problem. People who resisted it without taking a pause and to reflect and see continue to want the reality they had in their head. And they probably may be having the most tough times because the reality outside had changed. But I am saying, no, I want that same reality, which I saw. That's not the truth. There is no alignment between your inner ecosystem and the outer ecosystem. So doubts will come. Um, Questions will come. Sometimes even you wonder, oh, my God, is it even worth it? And I can give an example. It's like when I I had this whole dream about transforming the world at a large thing. And I always had this huge grandiose plans of, you know, like mass people talking to them, working with them. But every time I was like, but when am I going to get that audience? When am I going to get that platform? I do even shy, even like going on first stage, like, you know, and this was my plan. So you see the way my reality inside and reality outside. Till such time I come and realize is that if in a day I can transform one life, that life is part of lives of many different ecosystems at home, friend circle, office, communities. Yeah. The ripple effect is going to be felt. And all I need to be is the catalyst for the neuron, what we call as a synaptic effect, right? Neurons yeah. fire up and all the other neurons get lit up. So when I changed my inner context, my outer context also changed, which means the way I now function was outside. So I started small. So I was figuring it out okay, how do I start my coaching? How do I start my mentoring? How do I make a difference? And now it's even worse now, so I can't go out also. Mm-hmm. Till I became like, okay, I can do Zoom. So now like I have about four to five coaching sessions a day that I do that are online trainings that I'm a part of. I'm a mentor. Uh, I'm collaborating with people who are sitting in different places. I don't even have to travel. And we have sessions on Zoom. We are con- continuously thinking, okay, how else can we expand this work? All because... I change the context within.
0: Yeah.
1: And to say that the reality on the outside can be aligned if I look within. So that's what I would say is there's a pause helps. Okay. And to take those frequent pauses and to keep looking at the reality compass within. And how is it aligned to my north star that I'm looking, the goal that I have on the outside? small moments made to be celebrating moments indians we are never thought to celebrate like the minute if Chetna has to say Chetna, well done you are like at seven months at it is like one voice will come up hello don't be proud of yourself it's not good it'll go into your head whose voice is this <clears throat> grown up as children and yeah. teachers you know you'll become proud but is the world even coming and acknowledging you? Man, Stetna, wow, bravo, you were with seven months. You look around, oh, really? I don't even see a single person coming and saying that to me. And that's what I see is the shift. To be really appreciative. Not with the sense of pride, like which goes into your head. To really acknowledge. If you cannot acknowledge yourself, you cannot appreciate yourself, please don't expect that the world outside will give. And... I can't teach myself appreciation and acknowledgement. Will you be able to teach your children anything? Will you be able to teach your spouse? Like you will wear a big face if the spouse doesn't come and say, oh, wow, you look good today. That color suits nice. And even the day you may have dressed up and suddenly look, I'm not even noticed. And my question over here is, did you notice yourself first? Did you say, you know what? I take notice of myself that does bring a lot, you know, it's a small shift, but that shift is very perceptible. So um, that's what I would say works for me most of the time. And I believe in taking those frequent pauses. And to find out what would you like to do in those pauses to nourish yourself, like one hobby, uh, maybe a conversation, maybe a connection with a friend that you really feel, you know, what I call that it's your, me time it's your rejuvenation time it's your nourishment time it's like you know putting the pepper blood into your system again and uh, it's okay
0: to be selfish
1: selfishness is not bad
0: that is uh, I think in fact I personally uh, well it was very tough for me to accept that okay I should take care of myself it was always the priority was uh, people around me and especially my kids and that is one part of it, as you told, selfish. It was very tough for me. Now also, when it comes to kids, it's like always they are, they are my first priority. And yes. uh, I'm not completely accepted it. So, okay, still this feel that, okay, thinking about me is a selfish thought. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. I,
1: just again, you know, it's from the outside, right? Like, because if you were, if you're selfish to think about yourself, there is always the judgment that's coming up. You know, and we are the worst critics of ourselves. And <laughs> uh, it's so easy to criticize. Like I can, I can, you know, sit here and give you 100 reasons of what is not right with me very easily. Like, just like that. You, look at my nose, look at my nostrils, see one nostril this morning, you know, like that. But let me ask you, give me 100 reasons why you need to be your best friend or praise yourself or appreciate yourself. If you can get beyond the 21st mile or the 21st reason, I would still applaud and applause you. And I think that's the shift we need to bring in. Right? Where it's not with guilt to honor ourselves. Yeah. Okay? The guilt can come in if you have wronged a certain value. How can honoring yourself be wrong in any way?
0: Wow. Very beautifully told, Sudha. That's it's it's absolutely true. Like it's, uh,
1: yeah. And, and, and it is to start with that question, right? It is to start with that question. Because we we feel it's wrong to honor ourselves. it's wrong for me when I want to rest my body. How many mothers, I mean, I'm and even fathers, I don't want to put this as a mother question. Are willing to say that you know what i like somebody else to take over the kitchen duty today big guilt yeah. big guilt right uh, or to say you know what i really feel the need to rest today
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i'm just going to take the day off and if the children come crying Oh, okay. My children are hungry. Let me go and do something. Forgotten that very moment, and I'm not saying that this is a must, because each one will navigate it according to their own spaces. All I'm just saying is the question to take is what's so wrong about honoring ourselves? And then sometimes when we look about, and you know, when children or our spouse or colleagues don't honor us, they don't appreciate us. My question is always is who has also played a part and a contribution to it? So uh, that's a question that I always ask. Right? If I want something around me to change, am I willing to espouse that cause first for myself?
0: So, I would leave that part. <laughs> okay. So that I'll just go back uh, to the question which I'd asked initially. So your journey from two thousand. Fifteen end to 2016 end, that exploration phase for yourself. How was that? And uh, what you did, what are the things uh, you did which helped you to come up with certain things which you became more clear?
1: So, um, like I said, I said, right, I knew what Sudha was. But she wasn't happy because that little piece that was falling into. And I think that That search for answer, that search for bringing that piece into my life so that the puzzle fell into place, started off with Mm self-work, right? And the questions and, you know, what I have shared is what exactly I asked myself. And I started off with asking questions about, uh, you know, what do I really want to do? And what I really became present in that one year, I did different, you know, forms of... uh, Uh, self-work through healing programs. I did, you know, the journey practitioner program. I started learning emotional freedom technique, uh, tapping technique. I enrolled myself in an expressive arts therapy year course. But the most important, that was from 2015 to 2019. But I think I put myself in the centerpiece of the life that I wanted to. And I kind of really realized how much of garbage was there inside. And the garbage was so full But I couldn't see beyond the dumping ground that I had become. And the dumping ground was of all the responsibilities that I felt responsible for, to getting things right, to being this misperfect, all of that. And I realized the cost I was paying. And the cost was largely at a physical level. uh, Because I was getting frequent attacks of bronchitis. Then it started off with mental, which was tiredness and exhaustion because I was no longer being able to pick myself up and to say, you know, come on, let's go and get this work done today. There was no energy. There was no enthusiasm. I still worked 16 hours, but as if, you know, I did it because, you know, 16 years doing the same thing, you can do it at the drop of a hat. Emotionally, I wasn't feeling alive inside because I had nothing to look forward to. And The toughest work is to ask yourself the toughest questions and to start cleaning and scrubbing it till you start seeing the mirror that you were hiding away yourself from. And that is where a lot of the unlayering happened. And I kind of realized that, you know, all that through my years that I had kind of put like I used to wear these badges. If somebody said, "Wow, she's done a great job," so that would be like a badge that I would wear. So I must do a great job all the time. Um, I think that's where it brought the focus to me. Where am I placing myself in this wheel of life of mine? And I really realized that the spoke of the wheel of my life, which is me, was missing.
0: Okay. Because
1: the spoke was there. But the spoke that allows to move the life in the coordinated, balanced, harmonious, peace, bliss, well-being, all that was required wasn't there because she had oiled so much for that for the others that the oil and the grease that was required for herself was dried up, which is where then I had to take things. So 2016 end is when I decided I'm quitting my corporate job. And that to me was a big jump because to not earn money, which you would get a fixed income at the end of the month and which is required for, you know, what I thought was, you know, the responsibilities that I have as being part of a middle-class family is huge. And as a single woman, it's even bigger, right? But trust me, um, I think that was the last hook that I had when I said I resign, And not from the job, of course, that was different, but I resign. From everything that is holding me back to explore my own light and shine my own light. And 2017, I did a solo trip in the Himalayas, something I never did. I'm a planner. Trust me, I plan so much that I have a plan for crisis. I have a plan A for any crisis. If plan AB fails, I have a plan B. If plan B fails, I have a plan C. Like I would plan for. All possibly could wrong go wrong. That is to be planned. In fact, I was called like if there is a crisis, call Sudha. She handle it, and I took great pride in it, right? Which means I planned my movement. Where I did. this solo trip, I went with no plans. I only knew destination that I had to go, and this was in new And I did two months of that trip there. I didn't even book a hotel. It was that plunge into the unknown. The what if, remember, I gave you the example, yeah. if something goes wrong. And the thing was, what if something doesn't go wrong? Right? And that is where the realignment and the rediscovery happened. And I have several experiences during that solo trip, which opened my mind to things that I could never, ever think before. And I think it brought me, right. that gave me a pause when I looked at life differently. When I went in the local transport and I would travel in those Himalayan ranges, at one point in time, you're on the top of the world because you're at the top of the range. The other minute you're down there and you look up and you see these huge Himalayan ranges and you get a perspective of life. And the perspective of life was not that this or that, it is this and that. Mm -hmm. And somewhere that balance started to come in. So solo trips became my flavor of life. I would just pack my bag and go. And I did things that I could never, ever thought I would ever do in my life. Never, ever. Like I had drowned once. So deep water is not something that I would go. I'll go into water as long as it's my neck because I can breathe. Or I will duck, but I have to go, but I have to have firm. So going to you know, uh, water rafting and jumping off from a cliff 25 feet. Well, that's when I kind of realized I give myself a permission from all the things that I said I can't do. And everything that I said I can't do, I just erased the T and I said I can do. And that brought quite a few things differently. And when I started taking care of myself, I started doing things that I love. I started nourishing and nurturing myself i realigned my priorities i started seeing what i can and how i can do things differently and i became pleasantly surprised that it's easy it wasn't as difficult as i thought it was in my head it only meant i had to get away from my idea of doing things and of how things should be should happen which meant i needed to let go of control and this whole thing about that i need to know everything honestly i question do i really know everything the maximum things i know is in the space of my home or my life but a lot of it is happening elsewhere that i still have the impact but i don't know what's happening and when that you know like i said the context within changes a lot on the outside changes And, of course, then I started the expressive arts therapy course, a one-line course, a one-year course. And that's when, you know, the tapping into the creative part of me, you know, which is the right brain. I prided on being very logical. Like, you want to talk, there's a logic, there's an analysis. To the T, you can analyze everything perfectly. The creative part brought something about me, which was the childlike energy and the curiosity. Something that I had forgotten a long time ago know, which we let go of under the responsibilities. True. And um, that brought something very different in me. So I think that's when it changed. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's when I said, yes, okay, let me become a coach and help people. And, you know, that's how it all started off. But I still had questions. I still had doubt, like, am I good enough? What am I going to tell people? How are they going to come to me? And starting on your own, and that is where the entrepreneurial journey comes in. It's, you have a lot of questions. Yeah. And I had a lot of questions. I sat on it. I would not announce it to my people or friends, you know, listen, um, I'm doing this. A lot of people would come and I would do pro bono. I wouldn't charge. And my mom's like, what the heck are you doing? I said, mama, it'll be okay, right? It wasn't okay. I was telling myself it was okay because do I ask people for money because I've always received as part of the salary but now asking a money your worth oh man it hasn't been easy yet it that transition the joy of being in that space and the first time I asked and the response was whoa for the work that you do this is very little and I'm like oh I thought this was quite a lot that I was asking and you see that you know suddenly the circle that i was moving into the conversation has started changing mm-hmm. and today i don't blink my eye when i have to see my price mm-hmm. and i know that tomorrow i will move on to what i want to do but that's where the journey begins like bit by bit and acknowledging it acknowledging my struggles acknowledging my trouble that i, I always say i have a starting trouble of asking but once the starting trouble is got over the hump is got over It's just a matter of small moments. So till about three months ago or four months ago, I would do a lot of pro bono, maybe one or two. Today where I am, like as I said, I see about four to five people or maybe three people a day and they're all paid engagements. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's a delight. To me, it's a big success. And I kind of take that pause to reflect and I say, okay, what's really allowed that to happen? And like, as I said, it's a new journey, but it's the same conversation. What if the maximum what people will say, no, I can't afford. Okay. I'm there to support you. Whenever you're ready, you come. So there's no attachment. Mm -hmm. So the what if I change the conversation from instead of stopping me to make me unstoppable that I do, despite the resistance, I do despite hide the responsibility that I feel I need to there is freedom so that has changed my response so that's been my journey for the last five years I write every day I write something so I write poems and pleasantly during the COVID times I kind of discovered I have a flair for writing poems and I was pleasantly surprised I have 80 about them and today I'm nurturing the thought of maybe bringing my book of poems wow that's great congratulations (laughs) (laughs) i started coloring again and again if i look at the numbers this is where i don't count i have about now 400 hot paintings and people are saying are you willing to sell and i'm like no it's just my personal thing but it's a joy now to see how when within i shifted things Mm -hmm. outside have shifted so today i have not coaching is just as my revenue i have i can look at books i can look at art I can look at collaborations. I can look at, you know, looking at doing things, uh, the option of even teaching yoga and meditation, which to me, two years ago, wasn't even a dream.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, but it started off. Yeah. yeah. So, Sudha, as you were telling, it took two years for you to um, bring it a business aspect. So, most of the people. Want to, they start their uh, business journey or entrepreneurial journey and they expect things to happen within six months, seven months, eight months, maximum one year. If it doesn't work, then they start quitting. So what do you feel that, uh, where is that they should have that? I mean, I know that you have beautifully explored yourself and understood what exactly you needed and then started with step-by-step. Step and then what, as of today, the way you're telling, I can see that... Uh, joy in whatever you're doing right so what would you suggest uh, to the people if they really keen in doing something the first thing is to know what exactly they really love doing i mean that is the place where they uh fail because they feel that 10 other people are doing 10 other people are earning a crore or 10 crore they start looking the uh thing in that level and when their skills, their knowledge, or whatever it is, it is not matching to this level. And when there is a gap, there is always the stress and there is a kind of rejection. All these things happen. And this, again, will start impacting our inner self. I'm not good enough. I do not know.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, there are two things, uh, Chetna, to that world. One is... Like today, I'm just an independent person, right? Like I do these things on my own, and um, I'm still, you know, wanting to explore the ability to network, collaborate, take it further. Um, then there are businesses which brings in money from investors. That's a very different ball in game. Yeah. But you know, given my corporate uh, history and uh, having worked with startups across at different life stages, um, I think the whole thing is the why. why in the first place did you start this most often we start with the why very clear and along the way the why which is the joy and the love of it gets substituted with for a reason that you should be in it And that is an answer or that's uh, a thing that only the people who come into doing it, that the the constant engagement of why am I here? Why am I doing this? What's the reason I started off this, you know, entrepreneurial journey in the first place? What do I really want to create? What's the value for me? And what's, what's the value that I bring along? You know, to bring those stories alive, I mean, if you remember, we as children grew up with stories that were told by our grandparents. And you still remember those stories because they had a moral. Now, let's not rubbish off the morals. I know they could be very hungry, don't really, and happily ever after. But the moral was there. The moral was intrinsic to the value of the story. And you held on to the value because there was an emotional connect. And I think as long as The emotional connect to your why, the what, the how, the where, the when, all of that is there. And it is not just an intellect exercise that I must, oh, I've done 500 billions. I must do this. I must do this. I must do that. The emotional connect is not just to yourself. It's also to the people you bring along to work with you. And they could be employees. They could be collaborators. They could be customers. They could be anyone. Because at the end, whatever you do requires the existence of the other to receive Mm. it and to give you feed, you know, forward and you kind of build that forward and you kind of build that, right? So the customers become your reality check. The collaborators become your conspirators to create value. Mm. You become the carrier, if I can use the word, of the culture, of the collaboration, of the energy of the purpose of the coexistence which means how much integrated and emotionally connected you are is what will allow that I think if we let go of that and what I would say is allow the greed to come in which is where the comparisons come in comparison to what the other is doing as opposed to what you should be doing what's the best you can doing are you doing the best that you can what is the valuation? What's the incremental that you are doing? Are you sticking to your big why instead of saying, okay, you know, let me get into this. Let me get into that. Which you can after some point in time, right? But even in that, the why is very crystal clear. The emotional connect to it is very crystal clear. The value that you derive and you want to give, crystal clear.
0: Yeah,
1: I think that will probably allow you to build what you have. Whether it could just be you be earning one crore an annum or 10 or 100 or 1,000, that's just a number gain. And whoever have developed the number gain, I think the connection piece, the conversation piece, the collaboration piece, which is embedded into the culture that you carry and you continuously are engaging with all the people that you are a part of, the different universes, I think that the numbers then just keep coming. Like how many of us will remember Flipkart what it started like, right? And what it is is today. But is it going to be the same? I don't know. So past, I, I always say is use it as a reference to navigate your present. But not to hold you back. Yet, let it be your driving force for the future you see. But let not your future... Fears or whatever the doubts impage what you have to do now. So what you have to do in the now, please do it in the now. Yeah. And of course, transparency, utmost important. Because the transparency brings in trust. True. It brings in the fact that you are authentic. Nobody likes to deal with a fake. Nobody likes being a fake. And most often I think that is the voice that keeps, you know. You know, raising its ugly head, whatever you like to say. And you're vulnerable. And people like to see the vulnerable you because nobody likes to see a person, I've got it all. It can be a false bravado, right? But nobody, nobody has it really got it all, right? So if you can show to the other that you are a human as much as the other, That itself creates an affinity. Where there is affinity, there is affection. Where there is affection, there is a sense of belongingness. Where there is a sense of belongingness, there is a shared purpose. And as long as the shared purpose is alive, it enlivens people to do whatever they have to do. And we have heard enough in stories where, you know, the leader can come and say, you know what, bankrupt. Bankrupt. But if people believe in it, they're saying, "Okay, let's just do whatever it takes that's possible to turn this around."
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I like to see, and that's what I believe in, and that's probably uh, some of my learner takeaways through my life journey.
0: That. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that like how how do you get this energy and how you stay focused and the last question is how you can one can be in this present moment which is uh, very tough I think uh, currently if I'm talking to you I should be there present listening to you what you're speaking and I should understand it. then based on the right now I'm there 100% here but after I finish this and move out, I'll be in the kitchen or I'll be doing something else, but my thoughts will be somewhere else. How one can be in the present moment? Wow. Uh, I wish I had an easy
1: answer. So, the only thing that probably allows you to be in the present moment is your breath. I know it's the said and the done thing. Um I have struggled with even before, like, you know, for example, in my corporate world or even before is when somebody would be talking to me, a part of me would listen and a part of me, my head prepares to respond, right? Because it's like, okay, he he or she has said this, what should my response be? But what I really realized is that's where the cracks come in because when you are part present and you're part absent, you're not listening. You're not engaging. You are not energetically there. And what I mean by energetic is to say is that being wholly present, right? The how can come about it is where I can say that in this moment, I'm neither having any thoughts of the past because there is no reference for me. And yet, I don't know what the future is. But what you and I can do is how I can engage in the present. And this is all that you and I have. So I don't know what is the future outcome of this interaction. It doesn't matter to me because you don't know. I don't have any knowledge of the past, or how it has gone. That leaves me that only what I can do best is what I have on hand now. Of course, I need my focus on the future. And I think when you can pause that and maybe a certain element of what I would say is surrender. Most often people uh, associate surrender as being weak. Right? Uh, It means that I'm giving my control and my power to you. Like I am surrendered to the moment. But I see surrender is where you are free from the pull or the push of anything that you have known in the past and anything that you still have to know in the future. So when you're neither pulled and you're neither pushed, the only P that is present is the present moment. So, exactly. right? so when I'm cooking, okay, I have to cook. That's the only thing that I can do right now. If I am saying, okay, what do I now need to do next? Then my attention has gone away from the cooking. Yes. And something can happen. So there is an element of multitasking, muscle memory, all of that is there. That's a very different thing that I'm talking about. Because at some point in time, the muscle memory does kick in and you can do it. Yet, even though however sharp your muscle memory is, there is a tendency at times that if you really get yourself carried or pulled or by pushed, Incident and accidents happen, no matter how much of an expert you are. So the only thing that I would say is that if I can give myself the freedom that I can't change my past, I can learn from it. There'll be insights, there'll be wisdom nuggets, which is a gift to me in my present. I have a desire for the future, but I still don't know what it is going to be about. So if I can give freedom from the anxiety of how it's going to be like, my energy is no longer trapped. I have a lot of the energy that's available for me. Right? So a little bit of energy is neither in the past, a little bit of my energy is neither in the future. It's all there, right here, right now. And that's when you find that you're able to accomplish a lot more, You're a lot more present. It has changed my quality of listening. Like suddenly when I now listen, I'm not listening to your words. I'm listening to a lot more than what you're saying to me. And that brings a lot of shift. Therefore, it helps you to get things done with a lot more focus. It allows you to get a lot more clarity. It's almost like mirror. Right? The mirror will not lie to you. The mirror will reflect what you're reflecting or seeing in it. And... The minute the mirror says, okay, your attention is not here. I said, okay, great. My attention did get carried away. Again, you're in the moment. Becoming aware of your breathing. So most often we get so engrossed that we lose sight of our breathing. So to consciously, Mm -hmm. after every five, 10 minutes, become conscious of your breathing again. It brings you into the present moment again. And uh, that's where for me, the element of surrender comes in. The surrender is, I can only do my best now and if i can give my hundred percent to the best that i can do now the outcome of it will be very different from having you to give in 60 percent 70 percent 80 percent or even 90 percent so do this completely done move what's the next right and also then i get present to is the kind of joy that i get to it right it just seems like there is no barrier mm-hmm. I'm not splitting myself. So the joy also has no doubts or question mark. Okay, should I be here or should I not be here? She seems distracted and she seems worried. So a lot of the emotions are also getting confused because you're sending mixed signals to them. But if you're present to be here, then you get, oh, wow, look at her. You know, the thoughtfulness of the questions that Chetna is asking. Hey, look at that smile, you know. I get present to so many small, small nuances, things that the whole of me is engaged with you. And then when I see you responding, there's a response that gets from me. And that's how I see is the energy that gets built up. Then, therefore there is reciprocity. I know that you're there for me as much as I'm there for you. And that in crux is also the core of any relationships, right? Most often we are like an automaton, button the buyer yeah. and then we are like, okay, you know, sure. when you're running in. But what if you could just again come back, pause, yeah. to be really present. Then I start noticing, oh, wow, look at it. You know, Chetna didn't have that frown between her eyebrows, but now it's coming. Oh, it's cleared now. You know, you see, you start noticing so many small things and suddenly you realize, oops, this person is altogether a different person. I didn't know. So, um, yeah, so, that that has helped me. So yeah. for me, I think the
0: one of the major thing take away from this uh, conversation was surrender. Uh, it was very beautiful because um, that is the, because when we don't have any clues, what is going to happen or what is the it, if we it just surrender, I think it frees us from so many things. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, because. Um, Initially, I thought surrender means giving away my power. No, surrender is what within me comes in my way of me fully experiencing, engaging, expressing and enlivened in the moment. Can you repeat it? I just saw <laughs> it. Uh, whatever comes in the way of me engaging, expressing, And living, and living myself in the moment. I get that out of the way is surrender. And usually that surrender is of my own ego. The ego that either comes to protect me because I feel I'm vulnerable with Chitna. Oh, Chitna is an authority. Chitna is the expert. Chitna is the know-all, that way. So I'm putting myself one step below you. I'm not treating myself as an equal to you. And for me, equality is never given by the other. Equality is bringing all of you to the other person, knowing that you're two different people. Like even in the family, born to the same set of parents, and we all know as siblings, we are raised by the same parents. I'm very different from my elder brother and I'm very different from my younger brother. But we have the same father and the mother. The same house, right? Nothing changed. But the context in which we were born at different times had changed. The times that we lived in changed. So in that sense, we're equal. So when we are saying, oh, but he doesn't treat me as an equal, she doesn't treat me as an equal, whose formation are you waiting for? Are you willing to bring yourself as an equal? And when you bring yourself as an equal, valuing your individual uniqueness Five fingers of that one hand are not the same. Imagine if you had all the five fingers, same size, same functions. No. Each one has an individual function. And together when they come, has one unique function. And you can do anything that you want. Like I want to show you this, it's got a different meaning. I can show you this, it has a different meaning. Right? So for me, that is surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrender of the ego that is unwilling to let go. And usually the letting go is the notion of the happenings in the past and the notions of what is to come in the future. And when I let go of that, you really feel that you can engage. I have no clue whether you like this or not, but I'm engaging with all of it. I'm expressing myself. You are expressing yourself. And, you know, there is an energy and we build off each other yeah. and you become alive. There is an enabling that's happening. Now, if I had the ego out here, I would say, okay, is, what is Chetna thinking about me right now? You know, what is she feeling about this exchange? What is she feeling? Do You see how it happens in that sure. moment,
0: yeah.
1: right? And these questions, these doubts are really happening at the back of my mind. And I'm not really present because all the time, my attention is getting pulled by this conversation at the back of the head. I'm not really present to you. I'm like, Chuck it, let me enjoy this. This is a beautiful opportunity to create. Yeah. You know? And this is going to happen for the best. I trust that. So for me, that is what surrendering means. And that is, I think, uh, a journey. It yeah. doesn't come easy. It didn't mean to me like this when I started a couple of years ago. But it is to me what it is now, what it means.
0: Very beautiful, yeah. very beautiful, Sudha. Okay, Sudha, can I speak something on energy? One is that, and the second part is, like, how I can uh, maintain my energy throughout the day if I have a lot of tasks to be done and I should store my energy for certain tasks, more energy in certain tasks, it's fine. If I have energy or not, I should be there. So can you just speak on that, in that aspect?
1: Wow. Well, um So for me, um, so the word energy that comes about is um, um, like, it's, it's like a fuel, right? So there are two things the way I see. One is the fuel can get exhausted if it's not replenished. So we all have energy you know, what we call as a finite amount of prana in our thing, right? Um, That energy flows through the breath, okay? It flows through, you know, the streams and the organs functioning within us, and there is an energy. What's important is that the quality of the energy that you expend out is directly proportional to the quality of the energy you put in, which means one is food, right? So pay attention to the food. And each one can have a different uh, conception about it, right? But for that, you've got to listen to your body. Your body will tell you how much is enough, what to have, what not to have. Only if we can choose to listen to that, because the body is a container of energy, right? So one is the food the second is, of course, we all know the sleep and how well you sleep. So the quality of your sleep. Like I could sleep for two hours, but in might that two hours of sleep is deliciously deep. I don't need to sleep six hours, eight hours or 10 hours. What you are before you go to sleep at the mental level and the emotional level also determines the quality of the sleep. So usually the 30 minutes before you go to sleep, how you and what you spend. So emptying out is very important. So I sleep like a baby. Like, for example, my head touches the pillow and in less than 30 seconds, I'm sleeping and then I'm waking up the next morning. Nice. And this, like, I, tr- I like to drink coffee before I go to sleep. So people say, you drinking coffee and go to sleep? I said, yeah, I can drink coffee. And in 30 seconds, if I hit the bed, I'm asleep. Coffee doesn't work on me that way anymore. <laughs> Though in my student days, I used to have coffee to keep myself awake. awake yeah. Because that also was the meaning that I attached, right? Oh, yeah. it's a kicker. But today I don't have that meaning to the coffee. For, coffee. for me, I need a hot drink. I can't drink plain milk. So Just add a little bit of coffee powder and I have it that way. So that's it. So when that meaning is gone, the coffee doesn't work on me. So one is the quality of the sleep, the quality of the food. The third, I would say, is the energy, the quality of your thoughts, and that is your inner conversation. If you're constantly finding yourself tired, find out what's de-energizing you. What's the conversation you're having about yourself? If your quality of your conversations is a constant critic, constant judging, constant not good enough, constant having to be somewhere, somewhere, somehow like the other, which is a story of comparisons. So to look at your stories, to look at your meanings, to look how you interpret it, look how are you absorbing that. The fourth for me, the source of the energy is your time for yourself. Like for me, writing poem and artwork gives me a great source of joy. Like I can write 30 minutes of like, you know, my writing time and I feel like I have six hours of energy like that because it's in that time it's just me it's sacred it's a right like i don't exist for the world the world does not exist for me which is meditation for me so you, of course we know you can do yoga you can do your walking you meditate and meditation can be whatever you want whatever you like where you feel your mind is totally present it's just you and you in that activity if you like walking just walk If you like singing, you sing, you like dancing, then you dance, you make that. It's the me time that's very important. So energy output is directly proportional to the energy input. Any one which is not in balance of this impacts the quality of your energy and the college energy output. So if you're constantly giving, and this is what happened for me, right? Like when I was having a corporate career, I was constantly doing or get up in the morning, do all the kitchen work, you know, ensure my mom's taken care, then run to the work. It's all doing, 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 doing. And then meetings and then calls and then come back. And then on the way back, plan my day in this. Okay. Then before going to sleep, okay. All the checklists constant. It's like my mind was like on this wheel that never stopped of to do. The minute I said, okay, I need a pause here. The to do's will happen okay but to make this happen how am i making my life happen how am i making my energy happen and that's where exhaustion would hit me the tiredness would zoom because the mental exhaustion because it's like the churn people realize that you know physically i can be tired so they say emotional exhaustions we are not even present to yeah mental exhaustion comes in because it tells us on our face and people say what has happened to you look at you Right? So we're aware of physical exhaustion and we're aware of mental exhaustion. You're not aware of emotional exhaustion. The emotional exhaustion comes as the quality of the time you spend for yourself. So for me, if I am energetic, it's because I spend a lot of my time doing this. I pay attention to the energy that's there within me. Right? And... Uh, once I still give myself the permission to do things that I love doing, enjoy doing, and not because I must do it, I should do it. Yeah, some of those are there. But can I still do it with joy? Yeah. Right? Like, I know I'm not, I'm not somebody who's fond of cooking a lot. Okay?
0: Same here. <laughs> <you. Nah, nah. laughs>
1: right? But when I'm doing simple cooking also, like when I'm cutting the vegetables, initially, we're like, Arey, vegetables na you know what I do now? Okay, when I'm cutting the vegetables, I see it. Okay, the shape and the size. Is it uniform? Is it meditative? The sound of the knife on the cutting board. You know, being present with those small, small nuances. And when I see those vegetables cut, like my mom always says, how do you manage to cut the beans exact same size and all of that? The same time, same effort. Nothing has changed. What's changed is the quality of the attention that I pay to what I'm doing. And honestly, that's energizing. Because imagine to get compliment even for my way, I cut the vegetables. (laughs) The frame of mind when I'm cooking, I kind of realize that when I'm present to the cooking, the food taste is very different when I'm doing it, with my mind somewhere else and my hand is just at it. Mm. So I think that's, I would say, makes the difference to the energy. And the connection you feel to your body, the connection you feel to your emotions. Yeah, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling sad. I need to take time off. I need to take time off. And to doing things that will replenish. What's your barometer? And you can be your own barometer. Nobody else will do it. So, uh, yeah. So for me, I think that's
0: how uh, energy works for me. So Suda, um, I just want one final message from your side to my audience who are listening. Uh, What is that one message which you would love to share with them?
1: Um, I mean, this is the most simplest question and the hardest one to answer, isn't it? Um, I would just say is to love yourself first right and uh, in loving yourself there is a joy of being alive and who you can be you'll find that there's a whole lot of possibilities that emerge and uh, you don't need anyone's permission to love yourself the only permission you need is your own permission so the message is, would you be willing to give yourself the permission to just love yourself, to just be you, to accept yourself and go chase that butterfly in the field? It's, it's, it's a beautiful world. So,
0: and yeah. uh, my next question is, what you would be want to be known as? What do I want to be known as? Yeah.
1: a loving, compassionate human being who lived a life the best way she knew.
0: Very beautiful. Very beautiful, Sudha. So I, I would like to thank you once again, Sudha, for taking our time. And it was so much insightful for me. In fact, like... Um... I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it, Jitma. I, and this is what I say. Like, these
1: conversations... See, this is what I say is energy, right? You know, when two souls so connect and converse. And that's actually at the end of the day, that's all that we really need. But just to connect, to speak up our voice and uh, the difference. Like you gave me a gift, right? And we don't realize that, but yeah, you have given me a gift and you may wonder what gift did I give it to her? Yeah, i was so just thinking. Yeah, the gift of the possibility. Like the gift of from nowhere, Chetna came in and said, I want to do this. And you became a part of a dream that I dreamed too. And you represent to me an opportunity of, oh, wow. If she's doing this, should I consider this also as an opportunity where maybe I do of this on my own instead of just keeping myself small, like the way you braved and risked. it. So I wouldn't have learned of this if I hadn't known about you and what you're doing. So... There is a discovery and there is a giveaway and takeaway for both of us. you know. Okay. All I just needed to do was to be present. And uh, yeah, so that's the gift you've given me, whether you realize it or you don't. But each one of us has a gift. And I think each one of us is inspirational enough to inspire in whatever small way we can. Uh, after all, while I'm figuring out what's my piece of the puzzle that needed to be fit in, The universe needs each one of us to fall into the one big puzzle that life
0: is. So (laughs) So also, I just wanted to know what are the kind of services you provide and if the people want to reach you out.
1: One-on-one coaching uh, services and I use different modalities that I do that. So it's a bit of breakthrough coaching, journey practitioner, emotional freedom tapping technique or the inner child metrics, and uh, art-based, you know, therapeutic models. So I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. Uh, I also offer what is called as the Life Metamorphosis Program, which uses the universes of the corporate coaching that I do. Uh, I teach yoga, meditation, and, um, and there are times when I just do what is called as group circles, where we come together and we just hold conversations. And it's just coming together and uh, doing things just for the joy of being together. No purpose, no outcome. And there are group sessions where there will be a purpose and there'll be an outcome. But uh, yeah, so I do that. And uh, that's how I've begun my journey. Let's see how it goes on from here
0: on. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, What is that your little inner voice, telling right now at this moment
1: so my little inner voice right now is saying is it is offering a note of gratitude i'm feeling very blessed um and it is also acknowledging me for putting myself out over here on the podcast uh, and despite the fact that i may have a little bit of hesitancy or of- across and how will I be heard and how people will receive me it still takes courage for me to just show up right and all that my universe is saying is great you showed up and that's all that's sometimes required is just show up yeah. right and you never know in showing up what opens up so I could have easily told you I have never done this before. I don't know whether I have any of value to offer you. What can I show? I'm just this then. You know, I can give a hundred reasons, like I always say, of why I shouldn't be doing this. I have only one reason to say, okay, why should I do this? But if you look at the gift that I'm giving, is that the comfort of a conversation, maybe the comfort of listening to this when it's up? The comfort that there will be others, uh, a comfort that somebody who may listen to this will get some benefit. The comfort that, you know, I feel comfortable now talking. The comfort that, you know, maybe I can try this on as an independent idea and then to see how I can uh, do. The comfort maybe to reach out to others and to say, are there people who are doing similar things? Mm-hmm. The comfort of, okay, you know, this is a brilliant idea. How can we expand this even more? Like the way we were discussing it. Mm-hmm. Do you see? just that one reason why shouldn't i look at the amount of things that it has given me, and all that my universe is saying you know Shabbas, you did it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah thank you thank you sudam thanks a lot thanks That's a lot so for good. being in giving your time because time is one thing which uh, i always value time and people who are able to give their time for
1: whatever reason, as you told me, I'm really, truly grateful for them. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you for considering me and giving me so much. Hey listeners, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave your review and don't forget to share it among your friends and family. And do subscribe to my podcast. And until my next episode, believe in yourself, love yourself and live the life that you're dreamt of. This is Chetna here signing off for now.